Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, as we continue our Don't Stop Believing series in the book of John, specifically John chapter 3. Darren had the opportunity to teach on Sunday, and you, um, your points were this. This is how we know, one, what love is, two, that we belong to the truth, and three, that Jesus lives in us. And so what you effectively did, though, with that first point was put a song in my head for the rest of the day, and for this week for that matter, to know what love is. Which is the Foreigner song from 1984. 1984? I'm almost sure. That's impressive. Yeah, I can't remember months like you do, but I remember years. <laughs> of the release. Of releases for records like that. That was just a, yeah, that was just a record, man. Like, I think it was the only song on that record, but I want to know what love in is. infamy. Yeah. With it. But, I mean, that's what John's whole gig was, right? Was this is what love is. With it, so we were, yeah, we were just answering. You know, I want to know what love is. Well, that's the answer to that question is First uh, John three. Specifically, though, in First John three, it's interesting that there's a kind of a dichotomy happening. On verse thirteen, then he talks about how the world's going to hate you. Like, there's this love. This is what love looks like. But this is what the world mm-hmm. is. How the world is going to treat you. In fact, they're going to hate you. Specifically, verse thirteen says, "Do not be surprised." brothers and sisters, like a heads up. Yeah. The world hates you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, kind of depending on how you read that, it's kind of, it's like, like a modern version is, yeah. hey, heads up, the world's going to hate you. Yeah. By the way. By the way. Which, you know, he's re, he's recounting what Jesus had said to him 60 some years earlier, mm. recorded in John 15. And in fact, Jesus would give that soliloquy, John 15, 16, 17. And then, you know, promptly be crucified. Like they saw it, you know, in full uh, display. And he's just saying, like, yeah, they're going to, they hated me first. So they're going to hate you. And, you know, the, the, the question of why is, is not in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual realm behind, you know, the, the, there's a spirit of Antichrist that he spent chapter two talking about. And now chapter three is like, uh, so there were those who were among us that are not with us anymore because they were never with us to begin with. And if you're worried about whether you, you know, whether you're in it or not, well, this is how you know. This is how you know what love is, right? This is how you know that Jesus is in you. Like he's just saying, this is how you know. And in the middle of that, he drops in just because it's part of the deal, is it? And people are gonna hate you. So it's in the context of this is what love is. And loving your enemy is part of that context. And Jesus was the king amongst loving his enemies. So we have enemies. And what do we do? You know, and, and, and what does love look like in that? And that's what he, you know, which is laying down your life. So he's teaching the church of Ephesus in this book. Yep. And what would that have looked like back then? Call. Oh. What would the, yeah. you, you mentioned this, um, you know, the, the hate begins out in marginalism. Yeah. It, yeah, it moves. It, it's there's a system that you can find throughout societies, which is you know starts with marginalization, ultimately ends in elimination is the goal, and 
you know, for the Christians in this day, they were uh, marginalized. And so those like living in Rome, for instance, like when you see Romans 12, 13, 14, he was writing to the church in Rome, but they were living in like the poorest of the poor section. They were marginalized. And, and it starts with marginalization. And you know, of course, then they moved to try to, and we're just going to eliminate you altogether. And so they wouldn't have had access to, to goods and services like the the others. Yeah, you're living in a caste system, in a system um, where, yeah, like present day, like when I'm in Nepal, our pastor over there is not allowed to own a car because he's a Christian. <laughs> really? And so you have to hire a driver, and the only drivers available, of course, are Hindu. He, Hindu. Even if he has the money. Yeah. They won't take his money. No. Which, parenthetically, is why it's a miracle that we actually were able to get a license to start a school in wow. Nepal. Because it's a Christian school. It should not be there, like, but it is. But yeah, so we're, you know, every time we were over there, you got to, you know, trying to get to the church thing. And literally every, uh, the driver we had last time, every river is, so rivers are holy to them. And one of the things, if you, especially if you talk to like uh, little children who are Hindu, whatever, they'll ask them questions. They'll say, do you have rivers in your country? Because the rivers are holy to them. So every, you know, we're going to the church, every river, which there's a lot, he's got to stop and do some little symbol thing. And, but there, the marginalization is they can't own, they can't participate. You go back to uh, the Romo, uh, Romo, <laughs> Greco-Roman culture. So, and what was, by the way, what, what was so offensive to them was the idea that them, meaning uh, Greco-Roman history, is they were considered themselves very tolerant. All these gods, you can have this God, that God, just add a God, you know, order a God on Amazon, same day delivery, whatever. Except, but the problem with it, with Christianity was it, it is an exclusive claim only the one, God. Yeah. The, the God. Yeah. And so they're in their quest for quote unquote tolerance. Christians became considered intolerant, so to speak. I mean, if this, any of this sounds familiar, I don't know. Uh, and then move from intolerance to we need to eliminate them altogether by whether imprisoning or re-educating them or executing them or just but marginalization to elimination. Yeah, I mean, it does sound familiar. And I think that's kind of the picture I want to try to paint here is, is that that marginalization is a slow boiling pot of water mm -hmm. that we're experiencing here in the West it's on it's on the doorstep of many other countries across the world such as Nepal mm -hmm. such as Pakistan yeah, persecution against christians is exponentially on the rise throughout africa asia and america and the slide in america we've not even gotten close yet to the elimination at least physical elimination. What we've gotten to right now is we're fully inside of the marginalization side, right? Which is I, as long back as the nineties, you know, if you had the word Christian anywhere near you in the music world, they wouldn't touch you. It was how bands like Switchfoot or POD or Sixpence for that matter. Like they couldn't get arrested with a Christian record label as far as trying to get general to general market radio they had to go to, to a general market radio station and then, you know, not lead with their Christianity or maybe even mention their Christianity. And that was the only way that they were able to get, you know, their, their pop church. But the point being that, that for no other reason, had nothing to do with the quality, 
of the music, nothing to do with the, whether the song was a great song or not. And it had everything to do with, oh, the word Christian is attached to it. It must be trash because those Christians are so judgmental, whatever, exclusive. So that's been in our country. And I guess that verse 13, don't be surprised. Like that's a pretty big command. And Jesus said it as well. And I definitely was surprised. And I feel so dumb. Maybe it's because I've spent so much time in countries where I've seen the elimination portion of it that I didn't notice the margin. I don't know what I thought, but I was I was surprised. Not anymore, but I was surprised. Yeah, and I think the marginalization has leaked out mo- from more than just the faith belief, like the faith in Christ. I think the marginalization has now creeped over towards just a conservative belief, like just basic morals. Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I sit and watch uh, old 90s sitcom shows um, because, honestly, it's the only thing that's even remotely clean to watch on TV. Like, all the new shows are just filthy. I mean, let's be honest. Um, There's some good ones out there, but they're few and far between. Like, you can't really get through one or two episodes into a new series without some crazy plot line or backstory that's just filthy. Yeah. Right? And so we've been just reverting back to the old good stuff. Like TGIF. <laughs> all of all of us 40-somethings that, TGIF. that watched TGIF shows know what I'm talking about. Like those are the classics. That's Full House. That's Family Matters. It's Step by Step. And there's probably a couple others that I'm forgetting. But those are available on all the streaming services now, so you can go back and watch them. And we love to do that. We love watching them. And we watched an episode of Family Matters a couple weeks ago that – I don't, I don't remember what it was specifically, but I remember turning to Jennifer and saying, there's no way that that would be in a modern sitcom today. Mm. It had to do with um, family values. They were they were valuing marriage. They were valuing um, no sex before marriage. They took time uh, at the end of the show to pray as a family around the dinner table. <laughs> it was like, what is happening? And that was only, you know, it was 30 years ago. Yeah. But the... The, the that ideology has crept slowly but surely over time here in the West to where even a conservative, even just a, a conservative morality, if that's even a phrase, has shifted into being marginalized if you think that way. Right. I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but Musk tweeted, or do you, is he X'd? What do you do now? It's X. So do you, he X'd? You know, he's talked about this on a few podcasts. He doesn't have a good answer. He's saying it's now called a post. Post. And he doesn't really like it. Yeah. That it's called a post, but that's what they're working with. But they're saying he posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. (laughs) So he, yeah, that. And it was a, by the way, an invitation to anybody who has been excluded from Disney. Did you see this? Like they had their DEI quota percentages of what they, literally in writing with it. And they refer to under underrepresented groups have to be in this. Yeah, they have to meet certain criteria. Um, there's like they give like five or six different criteria um, of potential DEI quotas. You have to meet at least like three of them to to make a hire. To make a hire with it, and to that end, one of the most underrepresented groups in America is Christian. Christianity. Nowhere on the list. Nowhere. Yeah. When there's an underrepresented group, what they really mean is everybody but Christians. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are some raging progressives that would make, oh, but it, Christians control everything. 
And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the Grammys lately. I don't know if you've seen the AMAs <laughs> lately. But the Christians ain't controlling anything. Like when you what you're talking about, these random storylines that'll pop up. You know, even in ancient history, like period pieces, there's going to there, you know, there's there's the new gay affair, there's the lesbian affair, there, you know, there's the crazy stuff that the, uh, that obviously wouldn't have been in their society anyway. But that's all represented. But praying around a table with the Urkels uh, is triggering, and that's not represented. So there, you know, it is it is not the uh, the underrepresented groups. It's the DEI inclusion groups. Except us. This marginalization obviously is a slow burn here in the U.S., but it's happening on the, like I said, on the doorstep of other countries, specifically Nigeria. I wanted to shed a little light on Nigeria, Christians, Nigerian Christians. There is a lot happening over there that mainstream media is for sure not covering. Specifically, and I had heard maybe like a, a whisper of this last month, um, but never really took time to dive into it, but it's this essentially this massacre that happened on Christmas Eve yeah. in Nigeria um, where it, 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 Islamic extremists, um, specifically the, the Fulani herdsmen, yeah. I'm not familiar with this group until I started researching this, uh, entered into a town and took out, you know, a couple of hundred Christians um, that were meeting for Christmas Eve services. Am I getting this right? Yep. What is going on over there? It's been going on for quite a while, the Islamic tide that starts in Mecca has been rolling across North Africa in the last hundred years, especially. I mean, a few hundred years ago, there was there were no Muslims, right? Several hundred years ago, because Islam didn't even start till 600. Um, but it has made its way into North Africa. And the radical Islam, so the Fulani herdsmen, Boko Haram, uh, there's a, a branch of Al-Qaeda that's in Burkina Faso, and they're all in the same quest of an Islamic caliphate. And I've, I've heard secular guys especially refer to it as sectarian violence, which on the surface is technically true, but it's a lot easier to say sectarian because it doesn't impugn uh, Islam in it. And that's right. the one common thread is the spirit behind Islam, which uh, is to eliminate, you either convert or you are killed. That's the words of Muhammad 1,200 years ago that still ring true. And so the vast majority of Muslims are not good, uh, quote unquote, good enough Muslims to do this, but they are uh, good enough Muslims to not resist it. You won't find a lot of Muslims. It's why right now you'll see in uh, the polls coming out of Gaza, and God only knows how trustworthy these could be, but it shows a 40% uh, approval rate for Hamas, which is not great, but still a lot. That's still, More than I thought it would be. still a couple million people, but a 70% approval rate for what happened on October 7th. Oh my. So inside of Islam, it's just baked into the the most conservative of Islamic and even moderate Islamic cultures that that's a win for Allah because there was a martyr that happened. So yeah, that that's what's happening in Nigeria that is not being talked about. If you do you remember, was, I think President Obama was still in office. The Bring Our Girls Home. There were a couple hundred girls mm -hmm. kidnapped in North Africa. That was these. This this group, Boko Haram, Fulani herdsmen, kidnapped two hundred girls, and for that one fleeting moment. 
Michelle Obama had heard about it and, you know, they brought political pressure to bear and, and most of, I think most, if not all those girls were released, but that's like, like maybe 10 years ago. It's, it's just been going on consistently and no one's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I read a stat um, yesterday that said there's roughly 50,000 Nigerians have been killed over the past 25 years. Nigerian Christians. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge number. It's half the city of Franklin. It's the city of Columbia, Tennessee. Gone. I also read a part of that stat, though, that it roughly, um, I think they said 20,000, 15 to 20,000 moderate Muslims had also been killed from these Islamic jihadists. Yeah, yeah the persecution from Islamic jihad guys, girls, they make no distinction. Skin color, skin color. The only distinction they make is, are you our kind of Muslim or are you not? Yeah, that's which interesting. Is, which is why Hamas murdered so many Palestinians. It's why these guys are murdering, uh, mod, quote unquote, moderate Muslims. And it's the same spirit of marginalization to elimination. Because It's the same spirit because that's where you get into First John 4. He starts talking about these false prophets. And it's interesting because he doesn't say test their teachings. He says test the spirits. And it's because there's a, the demonic world, the, uh, the spiritual world is eternal in a sense. And so the same spirit, you know, the, I think it's Paul refers to him as familiar spirits. It's the same spirit that like animated someone like Hitler that, that animated, uh, the hatred for the world, like for Christians in the world. So test the spirits. And when those spirits, and he says that one of the ways you're going to know the spirit is if they, anyone who acknowledges that Jesus is the Christ, that is a spirit of God with it. So if you, if you're listening to anyone that does not acknowledge that, recognize that behind the scenes, behind in the other, in the spiritual, there is a spirit behind it that is not Jesus. And so two sides of the same coin is secular humanism and Islam, because both of them are, uh, anti in place of Christ. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, it's whatever's going on in Nigeria has risen um, to a level to where just yesterday, the House Foreign Affairs Committee for the U.S. government, the Republicans in that committee are trying to pass a, a resolution declaring Nigeria a country of particular concern, which is actually an official designation um, called a, a CPC country of particular concern due to the massacre against Christians over there. So what this would allow if this bill was to pass, um, or rather this resolution, if it was to pass, Nigeria would get a CPC designation, which would then allow uh, the U.S. to step in and consult, help, perhaps provide aid and or troops um, for protection, some sort of plan to protect Christians. It's risen that far. Um, and again, this was just this week where the, the light was shine uh, upon this. There's there's a, a bit of a clip, though, um, that I ran into that shares uh, the dissenting thought about this from uh, Democratic Representative Jerry Connolly. Go ahead and play that clip. It's dismissed efforts. But look, uh, Congress can't simple, simply say, we're only concerned about Christian persecution. Um, we're concerned about anyone's human rights being violated. 
And by the way, that includes the gay and lesbian community, which has suffered in Nigeria, among other African countries, uh, even at the hands of religious leaders who have called for the death penalty for uh, because of somebody's sexual orientation. So, you know, if we're going to express ourselves with respect to human rights abuses, as we should, it, it ought to be a comprehensive statement, not a particular group we single out and basically say that's the one we're concerned about. It's, it's interesting here because he's saying, you know, this, is the, this resolution is called country of a particular concern. He wants it, this resolution to be a country of comprehensive concern. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he is conflating or wanting to lump in the, the persecution, massacre, literal massacre of hundreds and thousands of Christians based upon their religious belief. He's wanting to lump in th that group of people with LGBT right. ideology. I mean, think about the just bold hypocrisy from a guy who would support uh, specifically a so like with the Disney stuff like they're not making a case for Christians in there we should have everybody in the other represented groups with it correct so it's he's literally talking out of both sides of his mouth in that if he really believed that that would be we wouldn't be doing DEI stuff with very specific you know slivers of of humanity and yeah you, you watch that it's like on the one hand I 100% agree. Someone I don't believe should be needs to be would you know it's 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 immoral to execute somebody uh, because of sexual sin. So I don't disagree with him, but to bootstrap that which is a percentage that is minuscule compared to the let's say tens of thousands in just Nigeria, you know, because those numbers are probably much higher. You move into North, uh, other countries in North Africa and the marginalization of the Christians in those, like we're talking tens of millions and in the billions when you get into Asia of persecuted Christians. And so to somehow suggest that, uh, th that this shouldn't go out as a, like, we're just saying, if you're, if you're killing Christians, you got to quit it. <laughs> you want sympathy for what I'm guessing is a very, 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 very small minority of LGBT in Nigeria yeah. that aren't even like raising their hand to say, hey, we need help over here. Yeah. He's trying to conflate all of those and won't pass this resolution because of that. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, I'm trying to think of a bigger uh, act of of just stupidity than, well, Congress in general <laughs> at this point. But to spend their time arguing about that for this guy to insert this into that, like, like while well, literally today there are probably right now, statistically speaking, someone being tortured, abused and murdered inside of North Africa by Islamic jihadists. And to, to, to bootstrap this yeah. is, is, is stupid. We, uh, we've been throwing around the, the term DEI a few times here. And just so that those that may uh, not know what that means, diversity Equity inclusion. This is a um, this is a mandate essentially for corporations to follow um, to create 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you read their definition of it, nowhere in the language does it include um, Christian. Right. <laughs> like it's it's everything that's the opposite of maybe a conserv- conservative ideology. Um, it's very, it's just, it's what's dominating. We talked about media a second ago, like this new, um, there's a new like documentary slash um, show like dramatic representation of the uh, Alexander the Great that just came out on Netflix. Really? They just released it, I think, last week. So mm-hmm. it's like one part docu- document uh, documentary of interviewing historians and also like recreations mm-hmm. of uh, events that's kind of merged together. The first episode, within eight minutes, there is a scene of him um, making out with another man like stating he was gay and then playing it out within the first eight minutes of the first episode of this brand new documentary of Alexander the Great. That may be true of him and that may be part of the history. You know, I don't know. But the fact that they they use that as the the foundation for the rest of this uh, this documentary to prop him up in that way is just another example of literally hundreds that we could point to. When I think about why I canceled my Netflix subscription a couple of years ago, you know, and I don't talk about it a lot because God doesn't lead everybody to cancel or whatever. But when I think back to it, the main reason I was just so mad was I'm literally paying them to indoctrinate mm. me. I'm paying them to indoctrinate my children. Like it was like, oh, and, and that, like that storyline right there, I don't know if that's a Netflix original, but I would bet it is. And I'll bet that you would look at the Netflix DEI requirements no doubt about it. And here we are. Yeah. And and keeping in mind that if it's about inclusion of underrepresented groups, then at what point do we, you know, do they represent the Christians in that time that Alexander conquered and destroyed? And, you know, at what point, you know, and it's... It's a fool's errand. Yeah. So don't be surprised when they hate you because they hated me. And it's not because it's logical. It's because it's demonic. That's, again, back to First John 4 over the very next chapter, test the spirits with these false prophets that are coming. Test them. And if they don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, right, they don't, then they are not, it is not the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And that's true of just any general religion. It's one of the things I agree with when you listen to Sam Harris, the raging atheist, talk about religion. I don't disagree with him that religion is dangerous. It's the problem is that the gospel is not religion. Like religion says that I've done this and I've figured it out and I'm working. It literally requires you to be arrogant because I've got this figured out and you don't. So it either puts you in a position of supreme arrogance and superiority or supreme shame and inferiority because I'm not doing it. But if it's about that, the superiority will ultimately lead, always lead to then ruling over those who, because I'm better than them. I'm smarter than them. I've figured this all out. Those poor, dumb religious people that don't understand, I understand. So the secular humanist side is just, it's the spirit of Antichrist. It's the same spirit that animates Islam, animates secular humanism, which is we've got this figured out and you're either going to convert or we're going to marginalize you and ultimately in Islam eliminate you. Secular humanism, when you go through the down that road of totalitarianism, it's the same thing. 
starts with marginalization, ends in elimination. And that's true of Pol Pot. It's true of Xi Jinping. It's true of Vladimir Putin. Across the board, the same spirit. And that's not the spirit that dwells in you. We have the spirit that rose Christ from the dead. That's the spirit that, that dwells in us. You know, one of the things that I'm interested in seeing um, this weekend is the Super Bowl. Um, not because my team's in it, because they're not, but um, it's always interesting to kind of see if companies are reading the room with their advertising, right? It's the largest advertising segment of the year is Super Bowl, right? I, I, didn't, I haven't read what the number is this year for a 30-second spot. They normally release those numbers. They haven't released it yet. I, I, they may have, but I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, typically it's like a million dollars for a 30-second ad, typically, yeah. somewhere in there. But I'm interesting, based on everything that happened last year with Bud Light, I mean, just a, they, they, they made a massive misstep. They lost like $20 billion dollars had to let go half their team, had to merge to another um, uh, brand within their own brand to keep it afloat. Um, what has happened with Target over the past year and several other companies where conservatives have you know boycotted, in a sense, even Netflix, people stepping away based upon the ide ideology that's being um, shoved down people's throats. I'm interested to know... If, if if some of these ads are more family-friendly this year. What do you think? I think it will be. I think there's going to be a pendulum swing. I think you're going to start seeing, because there was there's a new, I think it's a Ford ad that came out recently that was just like, it was everything, it was, it was so Americana. It was like grandpa and his son in a truck. So was it grandpa and flashback. my other grandpa and a son? <laughs> right. <laughs> Billy has two grandpas. Yeah, it was like okay, there it is. They're 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 reading the room here and modifying their marketing efforts. And I'm I'm curious on the biggest day of the year, the biggest market. I mean, think about the marketing companies across uh, across the world, but in in the U.S. that have like they looked forward to the Super Bowl for different reasons because that is the time to put lead their best foot forward. They're spending millions of dollars to put out the best marketing campaign that people are going to be talking about. I'm curious to know if we're going to start to see a little more family-friendly, conservative ideology baked into the marketing this year. I, I hope you're right. Any, any marketing genius right now that does that uh, is, is a genius because that, you know, that is the wide open end zone, so to speak, in America that you just, nobody's guarding that one. Just run down the middle of the conservative. Absolutely. Um, but there's this... The, when you get to the elite, the people that are making these decisions at the corporate level, these are like Stanford grads, Yale, Harvard. Do you remember when, I think I've talked about this on The Deeper, but Suzuki sponsored a Cutlass tour. Right. And we were absolutely flabbergasted that it worked. It was one of those, I can't believe they said yes, waiting for the other shoot. I remember when you got that deal. I couldn't and believe it. We were just shooting for, you know, stars and... Hit one, and we, which is when you looked at our numbers, we had a great run in that in that world with Cutlass, but but we were selling gold records in like with third days of platinum. Act. So you know, having like an actual national sponsorship was beyond our grasp. But but here's what I'm bringing it up: 
they said yes. We gave away a car and a something like on K Love nationwide and yada yada. And they uh, it, they had a metric by which they could test to see whether a tour was successful or not and whether they would realign. And the numbers were so impressive that they made us submit some more because they thought maybe we were cooking the book somehow. Oh, interesting. But the truth is, is that if you're a Christian and you see a company, like a general market company, and they're acknowledging you, you're, it's the weirdest I've, I've experienced. Like, oh, they, they're one of us. They, they see me. And Christians will support that stuff. But it was so successful. They tested it. They found that it was true. So we were, we were literally getting ready to do the next tour. I've got that paperwork on my desk for the next tour. And I get this phone call uh, from our girl in L.A. And she says, she's so sorry. But somebody, you know, they're in a meeting and they're like, wait a minute. Nobody said this was a Christian band. And then they killed the whole deal. Wow. The whole thing was gone because we were a Christian band. So they connected the dots that you were, uh, the band was signed to a Christian record label, putting on tour, touring, touring across the country with Christian ideology and moments in your, in your songs and in the, in the tour. The, the, the moment they got a whiff of that, it was over. It was over. And that was the corporate. People making those decisions. Yeah. And so why I'm curious of whether you're right or not is this, that I actually have a little bit of sympathy for Bud Light, not because I like their product. I actually don't like beer at all. Like, not for religious purposes. I just don't like it. But what happened is best I understand it was they had empowered some, you know, recent woke university graduate, and she had this idea. He. Oh, was it a he, she? Or she? Oh, the the boss, the bed, the Bud Light boss. No, I'm talking about the girl that I thought it was a girl that uh, put this. The, the the okay, no, I'm I'm not even talking about the Dylan the, Mulvaney. Dylan, no, I knew that one's a dude. Okay, <laughs> it looks like, like a lady. Oh, In the bad. words of the great Aerosmith, that That's dude right. looks like a lady. Uh, I'm talking about the person that made the decision at Bud Light was not that high up the food chain. That's right. And so I, it's possible because you know it is here. Like you'll figure it out. Like Brady or Joel did something. Like wait, what? What did they do? Like sure. I didn't know they were doing that. That's hilarious or not hilarious. Um, so in some ways, I have some empathy because some, you know, idealist thought they thought they had more freedom than they really had made a massive decision. Yeah, that impacted their the company bottom dollar by like twenty billion dollars. Yeah, I wonder if someday someone's going to do the research. Has there ever been a lower that level wrong employee caused that much financial <laughs> right. damage to your company? Like that's normally like the CEO can cause that kind of damage. Not, I mean, it's gone. Like the brand is gone. gone. Like it's yeah. it's a it's the laughing stock now. So if if they've got people that are beholden to their shareholders, mm -hmm. even for bad motives. It's good business to cater to a larger audience than, than some niche audience to try to make a statement. Right. Um, but I, I don't know if they're, if you'll get people in LA or New York and they're the ones making these decisions, they're the ones casting these, um, they're the ones that even like it's 28 year old to 30 year old, you know, uh, brand new woke university. They decide who gets on the, the, the today show or not. Like they're the sure. ones running the interviews as far as setting up the stuff. Like, so is that the level or is it going to be the level of the shareholders going, well, I appreciate your ideas. Uh, we, our stock's in the toilet and true. you're fired. So Super Bowl would be really. Yeah. I'm interested to see if the pendulum swings a little bit this, this year. Just based on just the ridiculous backlash of the past twelve months in in yeah. uh, retail, um, somebody else that has and you mentioned a second ago, but someone else that has 
supported family values and has looked upon the West in disgust uh, is Vladimir Putin, which is wild to me. So did you, I'm sure you saw that statement. It's, it's been probably what, six months ago, maybe mm-hmm. where he put out a speech basically just saying how woke the U S is yep. and, and how off the rails we are um, in, a, in our ideology. You know, fast forward six months, they're still in a war with Ukraine. That's happening. But also, Mr. Tucker Carlson is in Moscow this week and has interviewed Vladimir Putin, which no one has been able to do from the, the U.S. He's the only one, right? Yeah. From the U.S.? I mean, recent history. In recent history. no. In recent history. Now, I don't know how far back, but... Oliver Stone, do you remember that documentary mm-hmm. he did where he interviewed and spent some time? Yeah, it's probably there? been five years ago. Maybe, maybe more. Maybe longer. Yeah, I mean, it's this is... And so Tucker's going to put out this interview with Vladimir... I guess it's this week and it has the potential to break the internet because he's, because Tucker is not speaking of the corporate influence. He is not governed by anyone any longer. So he can just be a journalist and ask the questions and let the chips fall where they may. And if he does not go hard on Vlad, yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to be so bummed. It'll be disappointing because Obviously, that's part of his charm, is that he goes hard, mm-hmm. and I I hope that he does, because this is obviously the world right now uh, of of legacy media. They're judging him because they're you know he's a tool of Putin, and you know the worst possible thing to do is to not talk and listen to to people who might be your enemy, because then you know what they want, or at least you can read between the lines of what they want if they're lying. Even like you can you know. So my question, though, is why would Putin look at the U.S. and say that, that we're off the rails compared to Russia? Like, what, what's, what is their religion? What is their ideology? What is their morality? Yeah, there's a secular humanism. And by the way, that is, well, you call it communism, whatever, but it's, the ideology is, uh, it's again same spirit as Antichrist, but theirs is there is no Christ, right? What was, was it Stalin uh, called? The, no, Stalin. Ah, religion is the opiate of the people. Marx was who said that. So their idea was we got to we got to crush religion altogether, stop it from ever coming because it's the opiate of the people. So get everybody to shut up, fall in line. But even in a secular humanist world, if you are a fact based world, so to speak, fact, true, false. Behavior that isn't natural in nature, which is where natural obviously comes from, even in, especially in secular humanist societies, is not uh, is frowned upon because it's 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 unnatural. It, it, yeah. it, it does with the fabric of society, you know, and so that that would be why. And when you add on to that, whether you're Vlad, Xi Jinping, or whoever. For as as few people as watch CNN in the United States, the vast majority of the news that gets to the, of the to the rest of the world comes through CNN. So all they see is the stuff that you and I watch and go, God, who who is that guy? And he doesn't speak for me. That's not our country. That yeah. they're reading it, going, that is that their country? That's their. That's why. And when you look back to all the whether it's Osama bin Laden, uh. The the terrorist uh, I can't remember the guy that 
crashed into the World Trade Center first and the basement set off a bomb. When they call the United States in radical Islam the big Satan, it's because of our moral compass, which has been broken. So the Christian values, which, by the way, they hate those as, uh, as well, the, the Christianity, the exclusive part of Christianity, but the values themselves of, you know, of loyalty to your spouse, of, you know, feeding your family, of, you know, male and female, like those are, they're so nature, so natural that if you're a secular humanist, you're, there's no reason that you would buy into it. It's binary, which is why they're so upset about the non-binary yeah. agenda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Because it is binary. Like it's... Right. I, st I remember, my golly, my daughter was like five years old and hanging out with our little neighbor. You know, we had a couple of rabbits because we were those kind of dumb parents that got rabbits for our kids. And I remember Heidi, the neighbor girl goes, D you know how I can tell that this is a, a boy rabbit? Because he got subpoenas. <laughs> like, it's not that complicated. Uh... And so that's why, yeah. If you're, and, that's, and again, I go back to the, if you are secular humanist or... Uh, is any kind of religion in general? The one, just I, I keep going to Islam because it's the most prevalent right now. It's the same spirit, even though it manifests itself in different ways. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. Um, it's just a good reminder. I guess it's just a good reminder that we have awareness that this is going on. Like, just open your eyes and uh, maybe not. I mean, take offense because it's it's offensive, um, but at the same time. Um, don't let that consume you. Um, they're com they're they're coming they're coming for us. Yeah. Um, they're coming for our ideas. They're coming for the kids, in the in the sense of ideology and and moving it away from Christianity into a humanistic yeah. worldview. Um, I think it's helpful that we stay alert and aware to um, all the infiltration that is happening. Yep. Um, and, and if you're wondering what we do, John lays it out. You see your brother in need, you're a Christian, That's you right. serve them, you love them. You know, Romans 13, you overcome evil with good. That is literally what we get to do as Christians. It's why we're in Southern Israel. It's why we're in Asia is we get to do that. And you go all the way back to Deuteronomy 5 and God is telling the people of Israel, Here's how to treat foreigners in your midst. Here's how to love and to feed and to care for. And by the way, when you look in the Old Testament, you say that we should have open borders because the Bible you know, talks about the foreigners. There's like seven requirements that God put on foreigners and aliens in a land when they came into it. One of them was learn the language. One of them was learn the culture. Like, he, yeah, we should be, but it isn't we just let them in and then they bring their own culture with them. Like, that's what the, the biblical idea. There's like seven different things that you look at with that. But in our present culture, um, we get to whatever they want to say bad about us. I mean, it's why, look, remember when we had a couple of reporters trying to find a hit piece back in the day because we reopened after uh, the pandemic. And one of my only questions was, hey, if we don't go, to, if, we, if we're closed this Sunday, there are two and a half families that are not going to go free from slavery. Do you want to make that call? Or do, do you want me to call them, tell them they don't get to go free because you want me to stay close? Like you, And they never wrote the stories, but that's yeah. overcome the, the evil, the talk of foolish men with your good works is First Peter 2. We get to do that as a, a calling card because that's why God told them as far as Israel. That way the world will know because that is so different from anything else in the world. It's so different. And it's an attractive thing to be in a, to, to serve a God that, that has mercy and compassion and kindness. Like, 
that's way more compelling. So, you know, the, what do they say? The best, you know, cure to bad speech is better speech, better ideas. The, you know, the, the, the best cure for evil is good, uh, is, is better works, yeah. so to speak. That's good. Can we, well, we're going to wrap this up, but can we share what's coming up here in the next couple of weeks? We have an that's exciting yeah. uh, event that we want to invite you to. Those that are um, maybe regular listeners and now watchers of our Deeper podcast through YouTube. We're actually going to host uh, something called Deeper Live. Deeper Live will be happening in two weeks on the 21st of February here at Conduit Church. So Wednesday night. Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. And we're going to have a few guests. You want to share who those yeah. might be? Well, we can confirm, speaking of 90s sitcom. <laughs> oh, that's right. Patricia Heaton. Everybody loves Raymond. Including Patricia Heaton. Including she loves Patricia. Raymond as well. So he, she's going to be with us. That's so fun. Uh, there is a, uh, a a lady that's going to be here who is another survivor from one of the uh, villages that were ass assaulted by H Hamas. Um, Zev Orenstein will be with us from City of David in Jerusalem. And we're just going to talk about Israel, the, the situation on the ground, in the United States, anti-Semitism specifically in the United States. And then Patricia's been a voice yes. um, amongst her her network yeah. um, in L.A. for Israelis and for Jews. For Jews, yeah. And she is not Jewish. Oh, uh, she's very Ohio, very by the way. Ohio, yeah. Do they have Jews in Ohio? <laughs> they do. Okay. She's, she's, uh, she's Cleveland. Yeah. So she's an Ohio girl. Let's go. Uh, but she's been very vocal. And by the way, very vocal because it's, it, you know— it's common sense. If, if, if you are supporting the people who are raping and murdering and torturing, I, you're not supporting the right side. Like, this is not like a hard, you know, this is not a complicated one. But anyway, yeah. she's been very vocal. And one of the things that she has expressed, along with uh, Don Finto, who's an institution in this community, and Michael W. Smith and some others, is that we want to create a space here in Nashville that is the it makes Nashville the safest place on the planet for Jews to live. And that's, wow. we're calling it the October 7th Coalition. We're going to talk about it uh, on our deeper podcast. And we'd love to have you join us live that night. We'll do some question and answer, live question and answer that night. Oh, wow. So it'll be fun. Yeah. You'll see more information about that pop up on all of our different um, social media accounts and, and how we get out information. But mark it down. Wednesday, the 21st, 7 p.m. at Conduit Church deeper live and thank you for joining us thank you for listening um, each and every week on uh, our podcast with the audio but also watching at youtube we have um, launched to youtube many of you have been watching um, the, the setup and the conversations that we're having the interviews that we're having on our youtube channel thank you for subscribing as we continue to grow that platform as well until then have a great week